Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. If you have your Bibles with you, open them with me to the book of 2 Samuel in the Old Testament. 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Second Samuel chapter number 23. The title of this message is Famous Last Words. And these are the last words, according to the text, of King David, the second king of Israel. Second Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 through 7. Before we read the scripture, I want to ask you to bow with me for a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, the words that I'm about to read are more important than anything I will say all day today. Because the words that I'm about to read are your words. And they are powerful. They cut deep into our hearts and they reveal who we are. But they also show us what you want us to be and what you've given us the potential by your grace to be. These words show us your love. These words show us your holiness. These words show us how rotten we can be, but how wonderful we can be if we follow your will for our lives. Lord, we thank you for these, your words, and we pray that you would help us to see you in these words, to see Jesus in these words. And Lord, I pray that as a result of of taking a look at these words this morning, there will be some among us whose lives will be changed because of the decisions that we make in this service. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you also to pray for people who are on our hearts. Lord, we've lost a legend this week, Mr. Hugo Parkman. But Lord, he's with you. And he's with those two precious grandchildren who preceded him in death. And he's with his parents. And he's with people he has long known. Our loss is heaven's gain But Lord, I pray for Miss Doris and their family, and I pray for all of us as we meet this afternoon to remember Hugo. Father, I I pray for the family of Gene Johnson, Judy Long's brother-in-law, and I pray for Judy's sister, and I pray for Judy and their family as they grieve his loss. I pray for Miss Marie Glish in the hospital with heart Conditions, And I pray for Tom Roper in the hospital with pneumonia. And I pray for Merrill Jenkins still in the hospital. Three straight months he's been in the hospital. And Lord, we are grateful for every moment of improvement that he experiences. And we pray for the day he'll be able not only to leave the hospital, but to leave uh, uh, rehabilitation therapy and come home and be back with us because we miss him. 
Father, I pray for Stanton Johnston and Mr. Claude Thomas. I pray for Mr. Clyde Taylor and Charlie Pace and for Mr. Ed Johnston. And I pray for Mike Laster. Lord, I pray again for the family of Randy Henry. Lord, I pray that you'd touch the heart of that person in this place today who has come in here and is heartbroken. Lord, I I thank you for those family get-togethers that worked even better than we anticipated. I pray for those whose family get-togethers revealed trouble and hurt. I pray for families in our church who are hurting. Lord, I pray for the relocation of our church. Help us, Lord, to accomplish your goals for us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Samuel 23, beginning with verse 1. These are the last words of David. The inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse, the utterance of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, When one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. If my house were not right with God, surely he would not have made with me an everlasting covenant, arranged and secured in every part. Surely he would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire." But evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns, which are not gathered with the hand. Whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron or the shaft of a spear. They are burned up where they lie. The last words of David. Or at least we think they're the last words of David. The text says these are the last words of David, even though this is 2 Samuel chapter 23. And David doesn't die until... 1 Kings chapter 2. And right before he dies, he says some words there. In fact, they appear to be his last words. Uh, I read one uh, Old Testament scholar who said that he counted 10 different phrases of David that were considered his last words. Maybe perhaps these are his last recorded words. After all, David was a, in addition to being a king and a great military leader, he was a... uh, A poet. He was a songwriter. And maybe these are his last poetic words. The last song words that he recorded. I've always been fascinated with last words, especially last words of famous people. Uh, Maybe you have been interested in that too. Uh, For for instance, you probably heard that the last words of P.T. Barnum of Barnum and Bailey's Circus, the last words of P.T. Barnum were, how are the receipts today at Madison Square Garden? You probably heard that one. Or perhaps you've heard that the patriot and the American spy during the revolution, Nathan Hale, you've certainly heard that his last words were, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Some people said it's one life to give for my country, but you get the gist. Those were his last words before being killed. 
Or perhaps, thinking of famous last words of famous people, surely you have heard of the famous last words of the Confederate General Thomas Stonewall Jackson. He's recorded to have said, let us cross over the river and rest under the shade of the trees. He had been accidentally shot by one of his own men, and while he was trying to recover, didn't recover, he developed uh, pneumonia and he died. And those were his last words, let us rest under the shade of the trees. Or maybe you've heard the famous last words of another Confederate general, Robert E. Lee, whose birthday, by the way, was uh, day before yesterday. Robert E. Lee's last words were, strike the tent. And then he passed away. Or, you know, there's some people who weren't famous, but their last words made them famous. I'll guarantee you, you've heard of these famous last words. The words of Todd Beamer, who was a passenger on United Flight 93 on 9-11-2001, when he was recorded saying in a cell phone conversation, Are you guys ready? Let's roll. And he and some colleagues on the flight stormed the cockpit to try to overtake the terrorist, but the plane crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. You probably know about those, or you may have heard about them. Surely you have. But did you know that the last words of the great painter and scientist Leonardo da Vinci were, I've offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Really? Did you know that when actress Joan Crawford, who was before many of the young folks' uh, time, actress Joan Crawford, who was ill with pancreatic cancer, suffered a heart attack and was about to die, her housekeeper, who was there with her, got to her knees and started crying out, praying for Miss Crawford. But right before Joan Crawford died, she looked at her housekeeper. She made a cuss word, which I'm not going to utter. And then she said, don't you dare ask God to help me. Another entertainer before our time, Groucho Marx, is said to have said right before he died, Die, my dear? Why, that's the last thing I'll do. Yes, indeed, that is true. But let's try a test, okay? Let's see how well maybe some of us know famous last words. Can you tell who said these last words? All right, the last words that somebody said were, no, you certainly can't. Was it Mary Todd Lincoln, the wife of Abraham Lincoln? Was it John F. Kennedy? Was it Phyllis Diller, the comedian? Or was it Bing Crosby, the entertainer? How many of you think that Mary Todd Lincoln said those words? Raise your hand. One. How many of you believe John F. Kennedy said those words? Raise your hand. One. How many of you believe Phyllis Diller said those words? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, twenty. How many of you believe Bing Crosby said those words? One, two, three, four, eleven. The answer is, it was John F. Kennedy. In reply to Nellie Connolly, the wife of Governor John Connolly, when she said, you certainly can't say that the people of Dallas haven't given you a nice welcome, Mr. President. And he said, no, you certainly can't. Or maybe this one. I'm so bored with it all. 
Was it Abraham Lincoln who said that, or Richard Nixon, or Winston Churchill, or was it Lyndon B. Johnson? How many of you believe that Abraham Lincoln said that? Raise your hand. Four. How many of you believe Richard Nixon said that? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. How many of you believe Winston Churchill said that, the Prime Minister of Great Britain? Two, three, four, five, six. How many of you believe Lyndon B. Johnson said that, President of the United States? One, two, three, four, five, six. How many of you don't really care? Raise your hand. Okay. The answer is it was Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, before slipping into a coma and dying nine days later, I'm so bored with it all. The great British statesman. Or what about this one? That was a great game of golf, fellas. Was that the great golfer Sam Sneed? Or was it Robert T. Jones, the golfer? Or was it Bing Crosby, the entertainer? Or was it the late Payne Stewart, a great golfer? How many of you believe that those last words were uttered by Sammy Sneed? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, six. How many of you believe Robert T. Jones? Raise your hand. One, two, three, three. How many of you believe it was Bing Crosby? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, twenty-three. Uh, how many of you believe that Payne Stewart, the late Payne Stewart, said that? One, two, three, four, five. It was Bing Crosby. His doctor had told him only to play nine holes of golf, but he played 18 holes, and 20 minutes after he finished the game, he died. His last words, that was a great game of golf, fellas. Or what about this one? Last words, Kurt Russell, and uh, Kurt Russell can't be the one who said it because he's still alive, okay? Kurt Russell were the last words of somebody. Was it Laura Hahn, the mother of Goldie Hahn? Or was it Walt Disney? Or was it Bing Crosby? Or was it Wyatt Earp? If it was Wyatt Earp, he was probably saying who he wanted to play him in Tombstone, the movie that would come out decades later, right? How many of you believe it was Laura Hahn, the mother of Goldie Hahn? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, 31. Uh, how many of you believe it was Walt Disney? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. How many of you believe it was Mean Crosby? Two, three. How many of you believe it was Wyatt Earp? Raise your hand. Some of you really do believe that, don't you? Okay, here we go. It was Walt Disney. Walt Disney, the name was scrawled on a piece of paper, and to this day nobody knows what it meant, including Kurt Russell, who was 15 years old at the time. My guess is that Walt Disney was thinking of the computer that wore tennis shoes. That would be my guess, but who knows? How about this one? Don't turn on the light. Was that Osama bin Laden? Was it Thomas Edison? Was it Alexander Graham Bell? Or was it G.E. Phillips? How many of you believe it was Osama bin Laden? Don't turn on the light. Raise your hand. One, two, three. How many of you believe it was Thomas Edison? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. How many of you believe it was Alexander Graham Bell? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. How many of you believe it was G.E. Phillips? Raise your hand. <laughs> There's no such person as G.E. Phillips. <laughs> Guess who it was? It was Osama bin Laden. 
15 minutes before being shot by U.S. Special Forces, he said to one of his wives, don't turn on the light. Wow. How about this one? I'm in the land of the dying, and I am soon going to the land of the living. Was that John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace? Or was that Fanny Crosby who wrote Blessed Assurance? Or was it Helen Keller who was both blind and deaf? Or was it John Wesley, the founder of Methodism? How many of you believe it was John Newton? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. How many of you believe it was Fanny Crosby? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. How many of you believe it was Helen Keller? Raise your hand. 43. How many of you believe it was John Wesley? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. It was John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, who was also a Church of England preacher and abolitionist in Great Britain. I live in the land of the dying, but I'm soon going to the land of the living. All right, how about this one? Ah, no one's going to shoot at me. Did John Lennon say that? Did Lee Harvey Oswald say that? Did Jesse James say that? Or did Al Capone say that? How many of you believe that John Lennon said that? Raise your hand. One, two, three. Three. How many of you believe Lee Harvey Oswald said that? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. How many of you believe Jesse James said that? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. How many of you believe Al Capone said that? Raise your hand. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. It was Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald was being ushered from his jail cell out uh, in, in public and in front of the cameras was shot. But right before he was shot, a deputy who was escorting him said, Lee Harvey, if somebody shoots you, I hope they are as good a shot as you were. And he says, ah, no one's going to shoot at me. He was dead within five minutes. Here's one. Okay, I won't. Was that John Lennon, Elvis Presley, Whitney Houston, or Al Capone? How many of you believe that okay, I won't were the last words of John Lennon? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. How many of you believe it was Elvis Presley? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five. How many of you believe it's Whitney Houston? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. How many of you believe it was Al Capone? Raise your hand. All right, five. It was Elvis Presley. He had gone, was on his way to the restroom, and his fiance, his fiance said, "Don't go to sleep in there." And he says, "Okay, I won't." And he died in the bathroom. I remember where I was. Oh, that's a whole nother thing. Okay. All right, here's one. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Were those the last words of Amelia Earhart, the aviator? Or were they the last words of Michael J. Smith, astronaut? Or were they the last words of Sully Sullenberger, the pilot who landed the jet into the... Uh, Hudson River, or were they the words of Neil Armstrong, astronaut, astronaut, hold on a minute, do you know Dr. Braun, do you know who said those last words, (laughs) 
All right, if you believe it was Amelia Earhart, raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five. How many of you believe it was Michael J. Smith? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five. How many of you believe it was Sully? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. How many of you believe it was Neil Armstrong? Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It was Michael J. Smith. He was uh, an astronaut on the space shuttle Challenger, February the 28th, 1986. It was the last recorded statement by an astronaut in that flight. Uh Uh-oh, and within seconds, the shuttle had blown to pieces. All right, here's one. Now, now, my good man, this is no time for making enemies. Was that Douglas MacArthur, the great general? Was it Voltaire, the writer and enlightenment thinker? Was it Albert Einstein, the great scientist? Or was it our former president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Now, now, my good man, this is no time for making enemies. How many of you believe it was Douglas MacArthur? Raise your hand. One, two, Three, four. How many of you believe it was Voltaire, the French Enlightenment writer? One, two, three, four. Is that you, Tony Height? Yes, it was. It was. How many of you believe Albert Einstein said that? One, two, three, four, five. How many of you believe it was Franklin Roosevelt? Raise your hand. Seventeen. The answer is it was Voltaire. When asked by a priest to renounce Satan, he says, Now, now, my good man, this is no time for making enemies. Famous last words. This text purports to be the famous last words of a famous person, one of the three most famous people in all of the Old Testament, next to Abraham and Moses. Perhaps, as I said earlier, these are the last recorded words of David. And these last words of David, these last recorded words, contain some very important elements that I think speak not only to Uh, David's day, but also to our day. I want you to notice four things in uh, in these last words. First of all, in these last words, we see David's relation with his family. Verse 1 says, The inspired utterance of David could have just stopped right there, but he goes on to say, David the son of Jesse. Is not this Jesse's son? David was always known after he became king as David the king of Israel or David king of Israel. But before that and even after that time, he was David the son of Jesse. In his last words, he still clung to his relationship to his family. These are his last words. Second, we not only see David in relation to his family, but we see David in relation to God. He says, the inspired utterance of David, the son of Jesse, the utterance of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's song. And then he goes on to say, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me. 
when one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he's like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning. In his last words, he emphasized his relationship with his family and he emphasized his relationship with God. The two most important essentials in a person's life, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and our relationship with our families. These are David's last words. Not only do we see his relationship to him, his family and his God, but third, we see David's impression of himself. And it's a little bit troubling, at least it is to me, because I think it's a skewed perception of himself. David says this, he says, If my house, verse 5, were not right with God, surely he would not have made with me an everlasting covenant. He seems to think that God makes covenants based upon our goodness or our good works or our good decisions. That certainly wasn't the case with David, and it's not the case with you and me. God makes covenants with us based upon his own character and his grace. I think David was skewed there. And then he says this, he says, he says, if, if my house were not right with God, then surely God would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire. All of a sudden, here is David, and in his last words, he's looking back over his life, and he, based upon these words, has decided that every desire he's had was given to him by God. Hmm. I have a problem with that. Because I know that some of the desires David had weren't very godly. You remember that time when he, he looked down from his perch in his palace and he saw a very beautiful married woman sunbathing? You remember that? And then he had an affair with that woman and she became pregnant by David. And in order to cover it, he tried to uh, get her husband intoxicated but he, Uriah, her husband, refused to fall for David's plan. And so it ended up David had the man, Uriah, the woman's husband, killed. Were those desires God's desires? You see, one thing I see in these last words of David, things that I like are his relationship with his family and his relationship with God. I think that's good. But I also think that we have to be careful not to do what David did with himself. A self-perception that skews what is wrong with us. And I'm not saying that everything about us is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not trying to paint a gloom and doom picture of anybody and everybody. But I'm simply saying this, that when we look at our own lives, we need to remember what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. That is, have an objective perception of yourself, not one that is skewed in such a way that you look back on your life and think that everything you did, God ordained, and every decision you made was also God's desire for you to make because you and I both know that's not the case. David had a skewed impression of himself. But the final thing we see in this is that in David's last words, we see the promise of the coming King Jesus. 
If you were to follow the Christian year, today, today is the last Sunday in the Christian year. Next Sunday starts what we call the season of Advent, looking ahead to the coming of Jesus. But this Sunday ends the Christian year, and it ends with a passage of Scripture about King David, and we see all the the good things about David, his relationship to family, his relationship to God, but we also see the bad things about David, and it causes us to want something better than David. And in fact, the Old Testament confirmed by the New Testament, teaches us that that coming son of David, who was everything that David wasn't, was Jesus Christ. He was even of the lineage of David. Both Matthew and Luke's genealogies carry us back through the line of King David. Let me ask you this. When you picture yourself, what does the picture look like? How do we see ourselves in relation to our family during these holidays when we think about family? How do we see ourselves in relationship with God? Do we know the Lord? Have we received Him as our Savior? Are we walking with Him daily? How do we see ourselves, period? Do we see ourselves as as higher, more highly than we ought to? Or do we see ourselves as less than we ought to? That's not good either. God wants us to have a sober perception of ourselves, one that's connected tightly with family, one that's in a close relationship with the Lord Jesus, one that has a right self-perception, and one that reflects that Jesus is our King. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that as we look at ourselves and we examine ourselves, that you would help us to think about where we stand with you first off. And I pray that you'd help us to think about where we stand with our families. And I pray that you'd help us to have a healthy and objective and sober perception of ourselves. And Lord, I pray that when, when people look at our lives, we can say, What I'm going to say this afternoon when we stand up to remember Hugo Parkman, he reminded me of Jesus. God, I pray that our last words will be remembered as words that pointed us to you. In Jesus' name.